This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. I got into Shotokan Karate when I was a kid. First in the Navy, probably 19 years old, I discovered this dojo and saw karate and I knew that you know, everybody was kung fu fighting in my day. So, hey, let's do this because it's cool. And I jumped in and I learned it. I loved it. Helped me stop smoking. It was so hardcore that I, my body rejected cigarettes. That's neither here nor there. I've been involved with Japanese, Korean, and even Thai. A separate story there about me accidentally punching, a sucker punching a, a ranked fighter in Thailand by, by in the breadbasket one time. But my entire life around dojos, around dojangs, around uh, martial arts schools and self-defense classes, done my share of teaching. I'm a black belt in, in Japanese style. And I love, as we talk about in Powerful Peace, I love the, the utility of violence. And it shocks people to hear that because we're talking about making yourself a better version of yourself. We're talking about how to be a better human being and how compassion is so powerful in Impact Actual and Beyond Your Limits. Everything we talk about is body, mind, heart, and soul. And that is unchanged. The fact that I, as I talked about in Powerful Peace, in the front of Powerful Peace on the conversation about violence, I say, I don't denounce violence. I keep violence close, as close as my hands and my heart. And I find that the more I do so, the less I need to use it. That's the paradox of protection of self-defense and defense of others. And I'm really excited that today's topic will be including a lot of discussions about defense and protection and the, the utility of violence, the importance of being able to use it skillfully so that a situation that is bad for innocent people, defenseless people, doesn't go worse than it already is when it starts. Before we dive into the interview, I want to say welcome aboard co-host Eric Bond. Coach Eric. What is up, Rob? How are you? I am groovy. Really looking forward to getting back into our podcast. We've been slightly disrupted while I relocated to Hawaii. That threw our schedule off for a few days, but a few weeks. But I'm back on the islands now where Impact Actual is always meant to be. And you're on the far right coast out in Buffalo, holding down that end of the country for us. I am, yeah, and uh, hopefully you don't scare anybody with your uh, your speedos and your grass skirt and coconut bras out on the on the islands there. So the coconut bras are only on Saturday night. Otherwise, I go shirtless, gotcha, and speedoless. Uh, another topic entirely for another podcast. And speaking of verbal violence, and <laughs> so I, I promise we're talking about self-defense today, and I'll, I'll use a few, a few silly references because self-defense, self-protection, if you're dealing with the violence that is inflicted by, by cowardly people who happen to have a position of strength over somebody else, in other words, the defenseless, if you're talking about defense of those who are defenseless, it's a grim topic. There are things that involve murders and, and assaults and all kinds of pain. So we got to do it with a grain of salt and a, and a little humor. And so without further ado, let me flow right into the conversation about self-defense, personal defense, and an expert in the field and his academy. Welcome aboard, Marquez Henderson. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. 
We're going to be talking with Marquez today, a retired Marine with 23 years of service. Thank you for your service. As we're taping this, we've just passed Veterans Day, and I appreciate every service member who has put their, you know, sign that blank check. Here's my life. Do with it what you will. And, and, and one way or another, we keep the country safe as long as we can. So Marquez is, like I said, a retired U.S. Marine. We actually met while he was retiring, just uh, just uh, within this past year back here in Hawaii. And I'm going to let Marquez, I'm going to let you do more of the talking about what you're doing and what you're up to and what you have been up to. But with a quick once around the world, I want to say that uh, Marquez went to Temple U in Philly, has a huge heart for Philadelphia, but came up all over the place as a military brat with the, the Air Force. And in the Marine Corps, again, more your story to tell than mine, but Marquez, you have become uh, the authority on prevention of violence, on prevention of harm. I won't say on violence itself, although you're certainly a skilled practitioner of violence, but a big part of your message is how to get to self-protection without having to use it, the proactive nature thereof. And that's a huge topic. So let me just ask you, um, how did you walk into that process to, to kick things off? Did you walk in day one and every Marine's an infantryman as we're, as we're taught in the services and, and they told you, here's how you punch a person and that's it? Or did you have a, a background before the service or did it come later in your career? You know, that's, that's a great question. As at a very young age, I watched uh, a handful of movies and, and one that left an impression upon me and kind of guided uh, the path I took in life was that a child will adopt up to seven attributes of its name, right? And so it's very important what you name a child. My name, I was named after Mars, right? The Roman god of war. And so I've always felt like violence in some capacity was meant to be in my, in my destiny. Like I was meant to wield violence in some capacity but to help others for, for, the, for the greater good. My mother still has a picture of me, of a picture I drew in third grade, of me saying I wanted to be a police officer. And at the age of 19, uh, we, were, we were in Sacramento at the time, and uh, I applied to the Sacramento Sheriff's Department. Now, here I was, 19, homeschooled kid, so, uh, you know, one of 12 boys, four girls, so very large family looking for a way to better provide, you know, for my family, but also leading a way out of a house full of kids. But all I had was my homeschool, homeschooling background. And so I applied to the Sacramento Sheriff's Department. They had 60 paid positions, 3,000 applicants, many guys with college degrees, many guys with military experience. I didn't have a shot. My oldest brother was already served about 10 years in the Marine Corps. I said, okay, well, that's, that's my leg up. I'll go join the Marine Corps. Not because I didn't have other options, but because I knew that I needed to be I needed to be part of something bigger and I needed to, to be able to help people in a way that, you know, others choose not to. Right. Everyone finds their niche in life. And I believe, you know, helping others is mine and being, you know, a little bit on the larger side and, and having some skill. I started boxing when I was 14 and just and found a love for that, found an outlet for that, a positive use for, you know, coming up. I won't say, you know, poor, but yeah, poor and rougher neighborhoods. And then immediately when I joined, the Marine Corps at the time was using the uh, line program for our combatants. So a linear infighting neurological override. In boot camp, we switched and they began to introduce, not a great name, Marines acronym, great with acronyms, horrible with names, but it's called the MAP. 
right? Our current combatants program is called McMap, Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. And they felt that was a better name and a better system because it involved not just the physical skills, but the character development, uh, the, the, the mental development, as well as the physical development and education. So I graduated boot camp, hit the fleet Marine Forces, and within six months, I had an MTT fly out to Hawaii, a mobile training team fly out to Hawaii, and I volunteered to be one of the first Marines in the fleet uh, to be trained under the McMap program. And from there, it was, it was, I was in heaven. Just, you know, getting, getting the skills, being that, you know, that lean, mean fighting machine, but properly trained and now able to train others. That I think was really, despite the boxing background and a little bit of judo, that was really where I kicked off and, and found a love for martial arts. So that was from the very beginning, literally before you walked in, you had had gloves on and, and thumping in the ring and then you got into McMap right away. I get the, the, you guys do the best commercials and the dumbest acronyms. I would agree with that 100%. You cannot top a Marine Corps commercial, not even the Navy SEALs. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but the Navy SEALs have the coolest acronyms like SCARS. The SCARS was our McMap before I got in the teams. And I was really sad that I missed on SCARS. I think it was like SEAL Combatives and Readiness System or something. But that's a really cool acronym. That, that is I mean, a cool The Navy acronym. does it well. I'll give you that. Uh, not that it's worth much more than the name. It's <laughs> now they're not using that. Let me let me go deep for a moment here. You know, we talk about PTSD on the show. We talk about human experience of life and, 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 and trauma. And one thing that I've discovered through my own path is that rescuers needed rescuing. It's very often the thing. Whether that rescuer is a psychotherapist or a SEAL or a, a firefighter, is there are there elements of your saying, hey, I, I needed somebody to help me when I was not able to help myself, and now I do that for others because it wasn't available? So, yeah, it's uh, interesting that you would ask that. You know, who, who's going to heal the healers, right? I did see things in my home growing up that no child should ever have to see, right? And I, I wasn't big enough or strong enough at the time to put an end to it. And so I kind of made a, a commitment to myself that when I got the skill set, the people I loved would never be harmed again. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's noble. You know, I've had a few personal tragedies where I, I wasn't able to help the ones I've loved. But I figured, you know, I found that there's always someone in need of help, right? And very, very often, very few people are willing to, to intervene. Um, mm -hmm. Not my business, not my fault, not my problem. I've got my own set of things to deal with. How do I maintain my own sanity? You know, I realize that I'm serving a greater good, right? And now it's kind of partly what drove me to the Marine Corps, a sense of patriotism and wanting to be part of something bigger. And as my time in the service came to an end, because all of our, our, our days in uniform are numbered, you know, I looked at the skill set that, that I had gained in the Marine Corps and said, I can walk into a six-figure job and continue to just be another cog in the wheel, but I won't wake up every day with a purpose, right? And so, you know, people use the analogy of, of the, the, the sheep and, you know, the sheepdog and the wolves, right? Very rarely the shepherd gets left out of that equation, right? The, the one in charge of protecting the flock. And they say, okay, well, the sheep need protection, but the sheepdog also follows the voice of the shepherd. Mm 
right? And for me, being able to look to the shepherd as a sheepdog, as one who makes that in intentional decision to be a protector instead of an aggressor, I think that's where I find my ability, my, my, my source of strength, my source of help. That's, uh, as you say, it is noble. And, uh, and unfortunately, these days, the word noble does tend to be, it seems archaic, it seems outdated, but so do a lot of other words that have been used a lot. And so it doesn't change the quality of the word. The ideas like nobility and, and honor, those are all part of character. People that have character hold those dear. People who don't have character harm the defenseless. It's a pretty clear schism between the two mindsets, the two worlds. I, I hear what you're saying too. I think you're talking about like a deeper philosophical, divinely intended kind of a thing, like serving a higher purpose, serving something greater that is overlooking mankind in general. Absolutely. I know, you know, people, some will say God, some will say source, whatever your, your spiritual beliefs are, even if, for me, I can just say the, the greater good of humanity. You know, it, it used to be that the people who, that martial arts was, again, noble, honorable. And the people, the people who harmed people, they weren't necessarily trained. They were good at violence, but they weren't necessarily trained. That's not the case anymore. You know, now people train with the intent to harm others, right? You don't, you don't gain a, an advantage anymore just because you've studied a martial art because now, you know, with television and, and the approval of mixed martial arts in the United States, you know, 20 years or so ago, 15 maybe it's, it's mainstream now violence is mainstream and the desire to be skilled in violence without understanding the physiological and psychological impact it has when inflicted upon someone is lost on a lot of people you know we psych from a psychological perspective kids are playing video games at a young age right and they're finding the murder or you know the um the use of prostitutes you take a game like you know some of the some of the video games out there where where you know you regain your energy by by hiring a prostitute you gain status by murdering people right and kids are kids children spend hours each day on these games right they don't understand the the, the full impact that that has on their development and so it's extremely necessary now to like you know whether or not you're a spiritual person or not just understand the world whether by design or just by, you know, happenstance, the world is a more violent place and people are more capable of exacting violence. And so in the line of work that I do and the other coaches at Azariah Academy that we do, you know, we understand we don't all have the same religious beliefs, but we know that we want to help people. And so that's why we're, we do what we do. Interesting, you had mentioned while you're talking about that video game, and obviously we won't go into brand names in a negative term here, but certain one about stealing cars is specifically designed, as you're saying, to be the best scumbag you can and getting rewarded for it. And as you were talking about that, a siren went by my house. So there may be a divine message in that. And I did zoom in on the spiritual sense of it because we talk about spirit. We talk about that impact. We're not just, we're more than meat. These human meat bags walking around are more than meat. There's a reason we're here. I personally believe each person has a design, a unique design. Whether it is a divinely, you know, the hand of the creator said, zap, you're this. 
this is the fingerprint I call Rob. This is the fingerprint I call Marquez. Here's the one I call Eric. And you are unique and you have a path that I want you to find and go live it until you kick the bucket and you'll be satisfied. But it could be a ma- uh, just like snowflakes. It could be a simple matter of, of chance and evolution. And and I, I don't I don't force my beliefs on anybody. I just happen to believe there is a uh, a higher power in my world because of my own recovery, my path of recovery from the the nightmare, living hell of of addiction that I've been relieved of for the past three decades. So I also believe that whatever the name of this thing is this this idea we're doing something for a greater good a better purpose where it feels good my experience you know we talk about this with kids it's better to give than receive and a kid at christmas cannot understand that concept like wait what better to give than receive at christmas screw that i want some stuff give me some toys (laughs) but as we mature (laughs) you become somebody who recognizes it is better to give than receive And, and my life is a gift and our lives are a gift to give you talked about the Azariah May Academy. Can you unpack that for us now that you're e- easing out of the service and into this world and tell us what it's about so people can find it and do it? Yeah, so it, it began in Portugal. Azariah May is my children's names. I, I named the, the academy after them to leave them a legacy with, with the full scope of how I envision this thing 10, 15, 50 years from now. I didn't want to force my children into, you know, my particular line of work, but I wanted it to be broad enough, the, the ability to help people, that the ability to take a child, you know, in his elementary middle school age and teach them about bullying prevention, to be able to take a victim of domestic violence, a victim of sexual assault, bring them out of that abusive situation and have programs in place to help them recover, to establish not only the the psychological, right, the, the healing that needs to happen after you've experienced that, but also establish the economic independence required to not go back, right? And understanding that, you know, some people do. You can take, you know, a, a, a prostitute off the street, and I think statistics say 11 to 13 times they're going to go back to that, to that pimp, to that abuser, right? So stealing my mind that you know as i get into this line of work people will go back uh knowing that they're returning to something that is harmful and detrimental to themselves but knowing that i have to do something anyway and then knowing that there are many facets to that recovery uh, many programs that will be needed so my children can choose their own path and how they want to help but not making it about me right not you know, the Marquez Henderson Foundation, the Marquez Henderson Academy, the Marquez Henderson group, like, I'm going to die. What's my legacy going to be? And how do I impact others? And I think, you know, by giving my children, putting my children's name on it, it, it also guides me, right? Because at this point, uh, you know, 95% of our clients are women. And some people ask, you know, why, why are you why are you a women's self-defense school? Because if you look at our social media, Think, okay, they only serve women. That's that's not the case. Uh, we are for everyone, but even in the coaches I recruit, there requires a level of maturity, uh, discretion, because if, if you know you you ask the average nineteen year old kid who's been doing martial arts for a couple of years, hey, would you want to h- help come and coach this group of girls? Right? They're like, oh shoot, I get to pick up chicks now, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll do it. All of our coaches are are screened. 
majority of them are also victim advocates like myself so that they understand trauma and they understand that there's like we cannot capitalize on someone else's pain we do establish trust relationships with each of our clients you know besides just the, the ethics of what we're doing you know we, we establish friendships we establish trust and we don't want to violate that and very often and, and majority of the instances of violence, uh, the people who harm you are the people who, who you know best, right? Whether it's domestic violence, whether it's, you know, sometimes, you know, a narcissistic parent, right? Abusing their own kids and, and not realizing or realizing it and not caring if it's just it's who they are. You know, spousal abuse, uh, teen dating violence has become huge, right? People don't understand the proper relationships. We're so focused on, you know, instant gratification so again, like bringing all those elements into my vision for Azariah May Academy, uh, it's named after after my children, so that they can take this over one day and and continue to to make a positive impact on the world, but still choosing a path that suits their personality and their their skill sets. Hey, Marcus, I got a, I got a question for you. So, going back to the pandemic and the lockdowns, uh, especially with that a group of kids that are maybe around that high school level that are now into college have have you seen a progression of violence or or that type of stuff with that group of individuals specifically or or just even just general just a general group of people you know that i feel like that pandemic changed things for a lot of of individuals where they weren't getting the attention they weren't getting the human interaction that they needed. So they became somewhat desensitized to, you know, to a lot of things. I don't know if that was something that you've noticed or not. Another, another great question. I think we could probably spend hours, weeks discussing, you know, the, the impact that the pandemic had on society. I will say that it, it has made society as a whole, less trusting, uh, more fearful. And we know that fear, very rarely works to our advantage, right? It serves to divide people. And it's made people less social. So there, I've seen a spike in, in asocial behavior. What wasn't, hasn't been talked about much, and not in, at least not in the mainstream, is the rise in domestic violence. So sexual assaults actually decreased during the pandemic because people couldn't gather. But the calls to domestic violence hot, hotlines rose over 3000%, right? So, you know, what, what people began to accept, right? And I hate this term, the new normal, everything about that term and that mindset is detrimental to, and it's proved only detrimental to our society. It also implies a sense of helplessness. Like we can't change. It's like, this is society, but the fact is we are society. Each individual has the responsibility as well as the ability to help shift that particular trend because it's not it's not just an organic act of nature right and that, that's that's a great point we you know our, our focus is prevention right prevention is not and and very often when i talk about our program i use the term self-protection instead of self-defense because we we want people to be proactive we've created a society where being a victim is trendy it's popular this thing happened to me, I'm a victim, I'm part of this group, I need to be compensated, I need to be recognized. And people don't wanna take responsibility for their actions. 
Okay. I want to be clear about responsibility, being responsible for your actions, vice responsible for someone else's actions. We don't blame someone for getting raped, right? It's not, oh, you drank too much. Oh, you were wearing a mini skirt. Oh, you should have known uh, that this person had bad intentions for you. Yeah, you, we saw you flirting. No, we, we say, be mindful that you may put yourself in a dangerous situation. If you dress a certain way, it may attract unwanted attention. I'm not gonna tell women as some self-defense instructors have said, no, you can't wear your hair in a ponytail because you know a rapist wants to grab you by your hair. So that means for the rest of your life, you can never wear a ponytail. That's ridiculous, right? Be aware that there are bad people out there. Be aware that yes, if you dress a certain way, you know, if I wear a suit, I, I want to make, I'm trying to make an impression, right? I want to present myself in this fashion. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be attractive or feel good in what you're wearing. But just understand, yes, it may draw attention. Is it right for someone to make a comment about your body? No. Is it going to happen? Yes. But, you know, I've been in the Middle East where women are covered head to toe. They still suffer from rape. You know, people will be attacked and, and whatever they happen to be wearing, you can be wearing a miniskirt, you can be wearing covered head to toe. So telling people, hey, take responsibility for your actions is different from blaming them when something bad is done to them by someone else. So I don't know if that answers your question. I think that what we were talking about off camera, if you will, Marquez, earlier, you know, you and I have gone, we go back a, a number of months now, and we've talked about this distinction between personal protection which is the phrase you prefer, the word protection compared to the word defense, and how it encapsulates so much more than just how to block a punch. And that goes to what you and Eric are talking about here as far as the shifts in society, people, and whether you wear a miniskirt or a ponytail or not, it's, it's a totality. Just like we talk about a whole person development or total self-mastery and impact actual, there's a totality. Ponytails, miniskirts, where you are, what club you're in, how much you drink, who you're with for protection, all these things are factors as well as being able to block a punch. All of it is pieces of a, of a life. And that's what you're – can you unpack a little on the, your focus on protection, self-protection, protection of others as compared to the self-defense, uh, uh, if you will, pop culture? Right. So when we talk about self-protection – I like to stress mindset, right? If a woman goes out and she puts her hair in a ponytail and she's wearing a miniskirt and she's got heels on, that can be a very powerful presentation, right? The way she presents herself to the world. If she's also assertive and she, her job that night is a mother hen, I'm going to let my girls get drunk. I'm going to watch over them. I'm going to make sure that no one, you know, drops something in their drink. I'll sit there and, and, and look out for them. That mindset is way more effective than I put my hair in a ponytail as I was walking to the club at the end of the or to my vehicle at the end of the night. Someone grabbed my hair and I took this class. So now I know how to put them in an arm bar and, and knock them down. You don't you don't want to deal with that in the first place. Right. There, there are psychological ramifications from getting in a physical altercation. Obviously, there's the, the physiological you know, negative output, you know, of, of 
the potential for injury. If you injure someone, you, you may there there may be legal litigation, right? There may be legal fallout from that. So by understanding, hey, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna have fun, I'm gonna understand that there are bad people, but I'm not going to let that limit me in what I do. If I wanna feel sexy in the way I dress, if I want to wear my hair in a certain way, if I wanna to, wanna to go into this environment, I understand there there are risks. And I, I, there, I'm taking a calculated risk by putting myself in this environment, by presenting myself this way. But this is what I need to do. Or this is what I want to do. And so I'm going to do it smartly. And by making those type of decisions, understanding the situation, instead of just, hey, girls are going out tonight and we're, we're just going to, you know, hot girl summer, whatever that means to people. We, we don't have the luxury anymore of just mindlessly engaging in whatever, you know, suits us at the moment you have to understand human trafficking whether it's you know for organs for sex for slave labor second largest criminal enterprise in the world one 154 billion dollars a year and that goes back and forth competing with narco trafficking as as you know the top two sex is sex is sex is a commodity right organs are a commodity and when people have that kind of money that kind of power they're not going to care about your training. They're going to look for the easy victims. They're not going to be looking for the person that's assertive, right? How many times has, let's say, us as men been in a club and gotten shot down and, and maybe we mumbled some derogatory term under our breath as we walked away, you know, humbled by this woman who's too good for our, for our affections. You're not going to go back to that woman, that assertive woman who's like, you know, just so boldly shot you down. You know, you're going to look you're going to look for an easier target. But in society today, you know, and I'm talking in American culture, women are told like, hey, you need to be compliant and attractive. And right. You know, the whole a hey, smile for me, girl. Why are you so mean? Right. That yeah. type of stuff that puts pressure on a woman. Right. But it makes them less safe. So mm -hmm. our society is in, in many cases works to our own demise. You know, and so that's one of the first things that we, we talk about when you come to our self-protection course is change. Let's shift your mindset. You know, what what does it mean to be a bitch? Right. Like, oh, you're a bitch. Right. Oh, my gosh. No, you didn't call me that. How dare you? Right. The biggest insult. But normally, if, 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 they, if we find a woman bitchy, she's not approachable. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're looking again, the criminal is looking for the easy target, not someone who's going to be assertive, not someone's going to stand their ground. And so I tell women, you know, and I, I tell the men as well, but I tell women, hey, if it makes you safer, it is OK to be a bitch. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you permission because society has taken that away from you and told you you need to smile. You need to be attractive. You need to be friendly. That very often works to their disadvantage. Yeah, and compliance, that idea of being a nice, compliant wifey is actually setting her up for being a target, being a victim in the future, because that's what the predators look for is compliance. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that, that's it's actually interesting. I was going to ask you that, Marcus, because, you know, I get a lot of times people say to me, you don't look approachable. So sometimes people will kind of go to another Area. So, and I think about like, well, if I, if, you know, to turn this around, I guess on a, on, on the men's side, 
like if I'm in a store, like I don't really smile a lot. I just, you know, I kind of don't, you know, I got a busted nose and all these other things. And I don't really look like somebody that would be like, you should probably approach. So, you know, if you're working, depending on whatever the sex is, I mean, is that something that, you know, you guys, girls work with people to make, make them look maybe a little less approachable? Is that, does that make sense? It's like, is this something like from my side, like I hear that I've had a lot of people tell me that over the years of my own, you know, for my own self. So is that something that you guys work with at all or, or no? You know, that's an interesting question because I, you know, lived in Hawaii for 15 years, right? And the aloha is real. My wife was born and raised on Kauai and, you know, they're, they're, they're a friendly people, right? And you feel warm, you feel welcome. There are some cultures, right, where you say, oh, they're, they're a cold culture and other cultures where they, you know, they kiss and hug when they greet and you, they always make you feel like family. But now, you know, I'm in Florida now. I still love the Aloha, but I've got a daughter who's in high school and I had to tell her, you know, it's okay if you're not approachable because not everybody is worthy of your time. And, and so often when we go back to when I'm talking about self-protection and the mindset, so often we think we have to give people our time. If someone is bold enough or want some of our time, we have to give it to them. We're, we're obliged to give that to them. Your time is valuable, right? And most people that, that come into your life, I'll say most, yeah, most people that come into your life do not add value. They will take value. They will take things away from you. So you need to be judicious with who you give your time to. And so if you're told you're not approachable, if you're told, you know, you have you have an RBF and my daughter and I were joking about that because people have said that about her. I'm like, well, you got your daddy's face. It's OK. You know, that's OK, because for one, it's going to keep you safer. And, and your your personal safety is the ultimate goal. And those who are willing to put in the time to get to know you and understand like what an incredible person you are, they will look past your outward appearance. It's interesting, my, my niece moved from Kauai right before we, we moved, uh, left Hawaii. My niece moved from Kauai to Honolulu. And, you know, so, so we, were, we were having her over every night because I'm like, you know, want to make my brother-in-law like, hey, your niece is in good hands, nothing's gonna happen to her. She's jujitsu, the whole family's jujitsu, so she's safe anyway. But we had her over for dinner like almost every night. And she was like, Uncle, I I didn't know you were so kolohe. Because when I when we go to Kauai, I'm just like quiet, serious, again, not approachable. Even with my family, like, you know, I'll take care of them. They know like no harm will come to them if I'm around. But she's like, I never knew you were so funny. I never knew you were such such a joker. You know, kolohe, like mis mischievous. She's like, I like this side of you. And I was like, you know, I wish I, I wish I had more time to spend around you guys so you'd see like, yes, I'm, I'm I've seen a lot of evil in the world. I know there's a lot of bad people, so I'm always looking out for wrong. But when I'm with my family, I'm relaxed and I'm safe. And, and yeah, I like to I like to laugh. Who doesn't like to laugh? Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, not again, to, to your question, if you're not approachable, if, if you appear unapproachable, that actually works to keep you safer, I think. Again, most people that come into our lives only take away. And when you're a person of character, a person of quality, you have to be very careful with who you allow into your circle. We have a second episode 
necessary in far as far as I'm concerned here because there are so many topics I've barely touched on and things we've talked about before we got on the tape and during the call, for example, male-on-male sexual violence, a huge part of your vac- victim's advocacy. Sex itself, I mean, sex, gender itself is a huge topic. And these days, it's not cool to talk about gender. But it's like, oh, that's that might offend somebody to talk about there being male and female people. And I don't. I'm, I'm talking non, you know, exclusive to plumbing here. I don't care what your junk says. I, I care oh, that there are people that are male and there are people that are female, and very few people are not male or female. Very, very few. But because that is a part of the sensitivity culture we have, we can't say it and talk about it. But that itself, like the compliance training, makes women more vulnerable because there are women and there are men who are brutes and there are bullying, harmful men who will hurt women based on their vulnerability. So that's just a one topic, a a couple of examples we got to dive back into on round two on this. What I don't want uh, anybody to walk away from, Marquez, without with this in this episode is understanding how to get a hold of you, how to learn about what you're talking about, how to watch your social, et cetera. What's the the best belly button, if you will, to plug in with you and the academy? We are on Instagram. We're on we're on Facebook. I, I think we have a Snapchat account. I don't know why, but we do. But azariahmay.org. That's a z a r i a h m a y dot o r g. Uh, that's our website. You can reach reach us there. You can also connect to all of our social media platforms via the website. So that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. That is fantastic because this is such an important topic. And as you're, you've, you've given some ideas today that people, women and men, can apply right now. Approachability, being a bitch. What is a bitch? A bitch is a strong female dog. That term is you know applied to women, and it's called uh, negative because of that. Uh, but the reality is, like you said, the mother hen on, on date night or a girl's night out kind of a thing that's very useful. So much to unpack here and so much we have to go back into. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. I'm really looking forward to the next conversation. Gentlemen, extremely honored to have been a guest. And uh, yeah, if, if you'd love, you know, like to have me back, I'd love to come back and join and continue because I feel like we have just scratched the surface on so many important yeah. topics. This is a tease, basically, and people need to hear more. They're going to want more of it. Eric, thank you very much for coming on, brother, and, and being here to make this thing that much richer. Glad to be here. And to the listener, thank you for coming on today. I'm glad we're back in Hawaii. I'm glad we're back in the saddle, and I'm, and I'm excited about what's coming up. As you can hear, this is the tip of the iceberg. We're going to talk about some uncomfortable stuff because we're going to go beyond your limits. So process this. Have a groovy day. Re-listen, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.